Picture your life as a four-burner stovetop. One burner represents your family, one is your friends, the third your health, and the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earl, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners, the podcast that looks at people's burners and discuss at the end which ones they're keeping on, or more importantly, which ones they're turning off. And today, very special guest, comedian, writer, all-around good guy. Please welcome into your hearts, it's Sammy Shah. Yay. Hello, thank you for having me. Hey, mate, how you doing? Good, good. I like that intro, all-around good guy. All-around good guy, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. put that on my CV from now yeah, on. You can even have quotes, Josh Earl. Yeah, but guy. also, like, that's the one guy you don't trust as a good guy, is the one who says he's an all-around good or, guy. It's all right if someone else says you. Yeah, right. that's why. Yeah. I got to put the Josh Earl. You're right. So thanks for doing this. I We're doing this mm-hmm. not to, I don't know if people care, but we're doing this on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You... you uh, a family man, but also a brand new family man as well. Yeah, yeah. How was it getting out on a Sunday? Um, not easy. Yeah, um, okay. I had to move it around a little bit, and and I I think I even delayed it by half an hour to get here because yeah, it's just one of those things. It's uh, yeah, Sundays you got food cooking and you got yeah. the kids and you got other plans and like right from this we have to go and buy a front facing car seat. So we have to go car seat shopping to baby bunting, which yep. it's going to cost money and yeah, it's that's 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 my life now. Baby bunt, that's. That's I'm out of the baby bunting. Yeah, phase. you're way, way out of the baby yeah. bunting phase. But it is that thing of like, it used to be go around and go, you go there with one thing oh. in mind, and then you're like, but we kind of do need this as well. I do need a onesie that says dad's favorite bob. Like, you know, why not? We, we need a giraffe they can chew on. Yeah, why yeah. not? Who doesn't, yeah. right? Yeah. That's just basic <laughs> survival. Okay, so we're going to go through uh, family, career, health, friends. Your choice. Which one do you want to go through in first? Family, career, health, friends. Let's do friends first. Friends I guess. first. Okay, yeah. great. All right. All right. Excellent. Great. Who was your best friend in high school? In high school, um, I was. I had two. Yeah. I know you, that's hard to say, but I had, I had an interesting situation where one of my best friends lived in my house. Oh. So uh, we had a big family house, yep. and my um, there's a house that's designed for joint families in Pakistan. So we it was meant to have like lots of people in it, but my mum's family largely moved out, so it was just us. And so we had half the house was empty. Yeah, it was lying empty. And so my best friend, um, his parents got divorced, and his mum needed a place to stay with the kids, and so my parents said come stay with us so i grew up with my best friend living in the room next to mine was that the dream was it that was like, the best yeah. it was so basically we, it was like we'd I'd bang on the wall whenever we want to talk and then he'd come to his window and i'd go to my window and we just talk for hours and hang out um so that, that's temur um and he now lives in london and then in school, I met a guy named Essen who's basically, you know, that that guy like who gets you right away, yeah. who knows all your bullshit, but also like, you know, everything about you yeah. right away. That was Essen. Yeah. So those two kind of became my best friends and still are to this day. As how, well. how how did you make friends when you're at school? 
Oh, um, for me, it was, I had very visible hobbies. Yeah. I was into comic books. Right. I was into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I was into fantasy and science fiction and very few other people were. And ha- like, was you con- like just reading books? Or yeah. Just, like, like publicly, just not, not hiding it? Not hiding it. No okay. one, like, oh, everyone else who was a geek was ashamed of it. Yeah. But I l- realized very early on, there's no victory in pretending you're someone else. Yeah. So I just would read my Ursula Le Guin and whatever in school and other geeks would then gravitate towards me. And these two were also geeks. Yes. Yes. So in in Pakistan, I I coming from a very Australian thing. I know Mm. know Pakistan people love cricket. Yes. You're not a cricket fan. Not a cricket fan. Couldn't give a shit. Was that tough growing? Or was there, it's still enough? tough. Okay. So people yeah. just assume that you're going to like cricket? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. literally the other, yesterday I was at a event, um, like a corporate gig, giving a talk. And then I sit down and sit back in the audience after I finish. And a guy comes up to me and goes, the Pakistani team is not doing well. I was like, it isn't. He's like, you don't know. I was like, I couldn't, I don't know. I have no clue. So yeah. So g- growing up then, like all, all other kids are playing cricket. Is that what it is? So my garden was a big garden. Yep. So my friends used to come to my house to play cricket and I would be upstairs reading comic books while all my friends were having a cricket match in my garden. That's how much I didn't play cricket and cu- they all... Come yeah. out for tea, lunch break, tea yeah, break, yeah, yeah. that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, basically. All right, so you're, you're two friends in high mm-hmm. school. Okay, and then you went off to do uni. Yes. That was in Pakistan as well? No, um, I did uni in Virginia, at the University of Virginia in, in the USA. So move, yeah. moving uh, countries. Yeah, yeah. Went for four years, uh, four and a half years I was in America. Yeah. Yeah. So going there, did you like join clubs and stuff like that? Uh, so I had that thing where, which happens to a lot of international students, I'm sure, is when we when I moved to university initially, I moved there and there's other Pakistanis there. And I was friends with them. Yeah. But they were not the people that I normally would be friends with. We were just friends because we were thrown together as the only Pakistanis from our, you know, year. Yeah. And I spent a year and a half kind of trying to be friends with these people who I largely, you know, one or two I really loved, but largely most of them I found quite detestable. Yeah. They were from corrupt political families in Pakistan. They were very wealthy people. They were not nice human beings. Their whole idea of a good time was getting drunk at a party and then grinding up against other drunk people, right? Like that was their thing. And it wasn't mine. Uh, So it took me about a year and a half. I was miserable. I wanted to leave university by the end of that second year. And I was like, I think I'm done. I, I'm, I'm going to move back to Pakistan. And I joined a thing called the Jefferson Literary and Debating Society on just a, a whim. I was like, I'll try this thing out, whatever. Um, it is the oldest literary debating society in America. It was founded in 1825. And Edgar Allan Poe was a member, which yep. is why I thought I'll try it out. And um, it, it saved me. Like it was the best two years of my life in, on campus then being a part of that and I made close friends. So there. a debate club. Yeah. I'm, obviously I'm that guy. Look at me. So How am I not? I'm against debating, uh, yeah. teaching debating in school. Wait, why? Because it teaches the kids just to fight for something you don't believe in. Just to win the argument, I think that so that, much about so much of society look, is people who don't really believe in you stuff. You sound like my exes, who all have said <laughs> that's a problem with me. That sometimes I fight just for the sake of the fight. But because I, I, my kids' school, uh, their year sixes are like going, we're going to do debate club. And I was like, I don't think I mm. want to learn how to argue for the point of just arguing. But y- you're not wrong. And, and it is a skill. But also I think as a stand-up comedian, that's something you do as well. You look both sides. You always, because the funny doesn't always lie on the yeah. easy side, right? Yeah. So there's a Chris Rock line, which is he thinks he, Chris Rock said, I think I can actively 
successfully debate any side of any argument now. yeah um and i think being a debater you kind of have to develop that skill i relished in it yeah but you're not wrong in that it's funny because like i think it's a great thing to have and all kids should learn to debate yeah. but yes when you put it that way it does sound like a fairly sociopathic skill to develop yeah i, I especially you look at society now and people are just Ready to fight. Yes. Yeah. I want to. But then I think there's a difference because now social media, right? Yeah. Everyone's just like, you're wrong, you're stupid. But there's no arguments being no. put forward. There's no um, rhetorical, you know, cleverness being displayed. Yeah. So I think good debate skills teach you that you can't just argue for the sake of it. You have to have meat and substance behind your argument. Um, but also then at the same time, then there's idiots like Ben Shapiro and there's Americans who are like, he's a genius. No, he isn't. He just talks fast. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so I don't know. I hate the people who think that he's a genius because he talks fast. I talk fast. Everyone yeah, I, I talk. Dumb. He's giving us I a bad rep. I fucking lost a job because I talk fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. We both lost um, similar oh yeah, jobs we'll for that, that reason. <laughs> uh, so with... Uh, in Virginia, just being put together, yeah. not put together, but you you seek out mm-hmm. familiar people. And so, because I remember when I was teaching and there was a, a group of kids who were all kind of the misfits, kind of yeah. like didn't fit in. And they were just friends through like. Misfittery. Well, <laughs> yeah. just lack of other choices. Yeah. But they all fucking hated each other too. They were so annoyed because this kid's fucking annoying. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not allowed to go sit on that table over there because they don't want me there. So I'm stuck it's with not, this kid. So in Pakistan, it's not that stratified. Yeah. Which is interesting because over here it is. And yeah. in America, it very much is. Well, I think that's why because we see all the American movies and TV yeah. shows. Yeah. So we try and like copy that. But in Pakistan, you don't have like in Pakistani schools. I don't know if it's changed now, but when I was in school, the jock wasn't the cool one. Yeah. The jock was the failure because you're like, that guy doesn't study hard. The cool guy was the guy who got the best grades. Yeah. It's a very grades and education oriented society. So um, if you're not the guy who's the smartest in class, you're not cool. Yeah. In year 10, in our yearbook, I was voted most likely to become prime minister. And I was really hurt. I was like, they're having a go at me. <laughs> no one likes politicians. <laughs> That's the thing. All right. So you, you've moved a lot. You've moved to Pakistan, Virginia, back to Pakistan. Back to Pakistan. Then small country town in Western Australia. Yep. So when you got there, yeah. you had a little family. Yes. How did you go and make friends there? I got, um, initially it was hard for the first few weeks. Obviously we had no one. Yeah. Um, uh, we had, uh, I took my, I had a three-year-old daughter at the time. I mean, she's still my daughter, but now she's bigger. Yep. Um, at the time she was three and we went to a, uh, the park in town. This It's a one park town. Yep. And we went there and we're playing on the swings and a guy came up with his wife and their two kids and he was three kids and he goes, you know, what's your name? And I was like, Sammy. And he's like, hi, you know, and he introduced himself. And basically he was just a guy in town and he'd been there forever. And he just saw that I wasn't from that town, but he made friends with me. Yeah. And we're friends to this day. Like we're still in touch. We talk all the time. He lives in WA, um, him and his wife and their kids and stuff. And so that helped. Yeah. The other thing that made a big difference was um, Australian Story did an episode on me in 2013. So you've doubled up too. Yeah, there's this two. Yeah, I know I'm... It's bizarre. It's a crazy thing. <laughs> but uh, they did do an episode of me in 2013. And that episode aired about me living in that small town. And people in the town, um, I made fun of the town in the episode. So a lot of people hated me. Yep. But a few people were like, that guy's got a sense of humor, whatever. Let's reach out. And so I made friends because of that. That yep. helped a lot. The biggest thing for me was doing comedy. Yeah. So they used to drive down to Perth, like an hour and 40 minute drive to Perth to do gigs. And that's how I met like, you know, all the Perth comedians and many of whom like Beck Charlwood, Xavier yep. Suse, and all these people I'm still friends with to this yeah. day. 
Yeah, great. Yeah. And that's the thing, I think, doing comedy as well. You yeah. do, like, I was talking about this last week with Gillian. Like, you, you find people and you, you kind of get close really quickly. Well, it's, okay, so, uh, you know, the risk of taking this down a bit, but, you know, our friend Cal Wilson died. Yep. We were at the memorial. Um, you were there as well. Yep. I, was, yep, I was there. And one of the things I had, it was like a really beautiful moment, and I really appreciated it, was I looked around and it was such a mix of people. Like Cal's from New Zealand, yeah, right? Um, there's me, there's you, there's all of this Ballard, there's uh, Ivan Ristigera, there's all of these people, um, Kirsty Wiebeck, Damien Callan. We're all there and none of us come from the same walk of life. Yeah, We are radically different in our birth, in our backgrounds, in our education, in our socioeconomic status, everything. But the one thing that brought us all together was comedy. Yeah, I love that one thing about comedy so much. I would, you know, when I was in Perth and I'd look around the green room, I'd be like, that guy works in the docks. That guy's an ex-lawyer. That woman is, you know, currently working as a doctor and now doing this on the side. That's a mom of three kids. There's me, like, these people don't meet naturally. Yeah. They only meet in a comedy club. And so I think one of the things that I realized was comedy brings people together who are like-minded, who don't normally mix. Yep. And that's great. But also, if you want to make friends, you've got to do something. You've got to get out of the house. And my, like my brother lives in LA and he was saying, he's like, oh, I don't have any friends really. He's been there for two, three years now. And I was like, do something, get a hobby, yeah. join a club, yeah. put yourself in a situation where other people with the same interest as you are, otherwise you're not going to meet anyone. Yeah, I, I did it. So uh, just before we went into lockdowns, I yes. was like going up, Got to change something. So I put it out there. I went, I used to play basketball. I would like to play basketball again. Yeah. I can't shoot. I'm pretty fit. I can run. Does anyone need a small person on their basketball team? (laughs) And someone reached out and said, yeah, you can play on this team. So I went along on the Monday night and the guys who were in that team didn't know the person who said I could play on their team, but went, yeah, we do need someone. Yeah. And now my highlight of my week, Monday night basketball. Yeah. I turned down gigs. To yeah. go play basketball. It's like, it's ridiculous. I shouldn't do that. Like, I should go, oh, yeah, I, I do need the gigs. But without that kind of basketball, without... Yeah, it's yeah, an outlet. It'd be like, going, oh, yeah, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. So I think that helped a lot in WA and, and in Australia overall. I mean, I've been here 12 years now and my best friends in this country are still people I've met through comedy and other comedians. Yeah. You know? Have you had any friend breakups? Ooh, friend breakups. They, I mean, they were, when you were young, yes. Yeah. You know, there was like, there was one of these friends, this girl I knew, like I had a massive crush on her and then she started dating someone and her, but we were also best friends. No, I didn't. Sorry, there was a girl who I didn't have a crush on. We were best friends. Her boyfriend didn't like her having a male best friend. So we stopped hanging out. I was really hurt by that. Yeah. There's another, yeah. So there's, those things happen then. But overall, I don't think I've ever had a friendship end because we fought. Yeah. It's mostly because of distance or moving, you know. So I've got friends in Pakistan I'm not really in touch with because it's hard to stay yep. in touch and our lives have changed so much. I don't think I've had a friendship breakup with anyone. I'm pretty forgiving. No. And I and I think the other people around me are probably pretty forgiving of me as well. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know if... Uh, you'd have to really... I can't even th- like, yeah, you have to really like stab my mother while not breaking eye contact with me for me to be like, all right, you're going to step too far now. <laughs> Let's not talk. Well, you're, you're debating both sides. You're going, okay, I can yeah, see the yeah. positives and also see the yeah. negatives here. So, so you mentioned that you're still friends with your uh, best friends from high school. Yes. On WhatsApp though. Yeah. 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 
and, and do you, like, how often do you, when's the last time you've seen them? Oh, my, oh so one of them is uh, going to move, Essen, my friend, is going to move to Australia next year, hopefully, that seems yep. to be the plan. Um, so he visited a few months ago, and that was the first time I met him in eight years. Um, the other one I haven't seen in 10 years. Yeah. But, you know, we talk on WhatsApp like 10 yeah. times a day and, and every few weeks or months, months really, you know, one person will get drunk and then WhatsApp everyone and you know, it'll be like that. All right. That's yeah. friends done. Yeah. That's the claps, the friends claps. Uh, I'm going to get that going. Okay. What do you want? Career, health or family? Career, he- health. Let's do health. Okay, health. That's a tough one for me these days. Well, do you think you're healthy? No. Oh, you look healthy. Thank you. But that's the problem. Okay. So I was insanely skinny my whole life. Yep. I was an ectomorph, I guess, whatever they call. Um, I had really thick glasses. I was really skinny. Like, like worryingly skinny, but I wasn't unhealthy. I just was a really skinny kid. Yeah. And I didn't play any sports. So that didn't help. And um, uh, as a result, I just ate whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. Non-stop. I was just, who's, look at me. I'm not putting on weight. All my friends are getting fat. I can eat, I can eat three of that. doesn't yeah. matter. And uh, a few, I think two years ago, I went and got a blood test done because I was like, yeah, let's find out. And they said my cholesterol is in heart attack territory. Like the fact that I haven't had a heart attack yet yep. is a bit of a miracle. Um, and so they put me on, they said first let's try naturally. So they put me yeah. on a diet. And I changed my diet and really a lot of salads and all that stuff. No was fried foods. Yeah, all of that. breakfast, all that kind of stuff. Stuck to it for six months, brought my cholesterol down significantly. Great. The doctor said, great, you're doing a great job. And because they said you're doing a great job and well done, I basically went back to eating you know, like an myself. Yeah. Yeah. And um, ah, cheat day, ah, second cheat yeah. day, ah, cheat month or whatever, like that. And the next thing I knew, the doctor was like, yeah, this is horrific. Now I'm, a, now I'm in, on medication. Were you living with people at the time when you were doing this, like lowering yourself naturally? Mm-hmm. No, I was, this is. That's really hard. If you live with someone and then yeah. you change your diet and then they don't have to change their diet, it's my hard. Partner they eats, get pissed off. But my partner eats incredibly healthy. Yeah. The only reason I eat healthy is because she's the one who's like, no, let's have another salad. Let's maybe not do steaks that have been deep fried. Let's have yeah. a salad. Yeah. And, and if I'm alone, I flew to um, uh, uh, Sydney. I was flew to Sydney two days ago for a gig. It was a corporate gig. Yep. Day in, day out. Across from my hotel, there was a Macca's. I haven't had Macca's in six months. And I was like, God damn it. And then I went to Macca's and I had a Big Mac and fries. And I don't know if it's a thing that's because I'm in my 40s. I'm 45 now. Yep. And my relationship to food has become bizarre. I wake up in the morning. The first thing I think of is what am I cooking today? Yeah. I love cooking. I love it. I love making things. But it's like, what am I cooking today? How? how what am I making for everyone? I've come up with this excuse of like, I cook for people because that's how I show my love. But I also cook for people because I want to eat the food yeah. that I'm cooking. And and yeah, I, I like if if I if you put a plate of fries in front of me right now, that is an existential dilemma that will cause sweats. Yeah. yeah. I, I same as you, high cholesterol. Yeah. History of high cholesterol in my family. Same here. My dad has had three heart attacks. Yeah, two, yeah. Yep. Okay. And so every time I go and they want they want to put me on the medication. I'm on it. Yeah. I, I did it for two weeks. Couldn't my back went into spasms. I yeah, could, so yeah, I'm I lucky I haven't had that yet. Even though I'm on a very high thing, but they said that the, you get cramps and stuff. Yeah. So my back I just was walking like a question mark. So what are you doing? I'm just no longer eating chips or fried food. But how? Um, because occasionally, I, look, occasionally I will because yeah. I've got young family. Yeah, who my kids like to have McDonald's and they like yeah, chips and of so course. and you don't want to be there going, 
Also, I don't want them to have a weird thing with food where I'm like, no, you can't eat that. That's really unhealthy. Yes. Because I don't know if that's – I'll, I'll eat healthy options and they can see someone doing it, but mm. I don't want to deprive them of going, all right, well, I've got to eat boring fucking salads right. and, yeah, and steamed chicken. Sure. Boring. And so – and we do get Maccas too much now because – I'll, I coach them in their basketball and we have training on Wednesday nights right. and Beck works late and so it's takeaway night on Wednesday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just easier. But, okay, so tell me this because the thing I've, the, it's kind of shaken me a bit was that thing of heart attack because yeah. one of my friends, uh, Dill, Dill, Dill yeah. had a heart attack. Another comedian I know, Xavier Suse in Perth, he's yep. had a heart attack. Damien Callan. Damien Callan, heart yep. attack. Um, Damien Callan had it playing indoor cricket. Finished the over. That's how good he is. That's, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. He's a professional first. Um, and and I had that thing where I was like, okay, what, what if I have a heart attack? And what if I die? Yeah. And then I had that thought of like, I've had a good life. I'm not afraid of death. Yeah. This is all very unnecessarily deep for someone who's just got to take a few statin pills. Okay. Yeah. But still, I was like... I've had a good life. I'm happy with my life. Of course, I want to see what happens next. I want my kids to be want to be there for them. But if I die of a heart attack tomorrow, I'm not going to die thinking, ah, there was more I had to do. Because there's always more you had yeah. to do. But I'm happy with what I've done so far. And, and then I wonder whether that's me rationalizing just eating unhealthy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because one of the other problems that stuff I struggle with is I give up cigarettes. I was a hard smoker for 20 something years, yep. like a pack a day almost. And um, I quit cold turkey years ago. I was fine for ages. Then lockdown happened. I went back on smoking a lot of cigarettes for one year. 20, all of 2020 was the year of cigarettes. Yeah, 2021 quit again. I haven't had a cigarette since then. Um, but the thing I can't quit and I still struggle with quitting is Red Bull. Really? I have, sugar free or sugar Red Bull? Uh, uh, full fat. Full fat. It doesn't matter. Their taste is the same, though. Yeah. They, they actually have done a good job there. But do you know, you know Pete Holmes? Yes. Uh, not Pete Holmes, sorry. Um, uh, the comedian from um, Melbourne who'd recently moved to England, um, he had that bit about ham leaving it in the... Peter Jones. Peter Jones, thank you. Um, Peter Jones and I share a Red Bull addiction that is debilitating. How many, how many are we talking? So I don't right now. Yeah. I've limited it to one every Friday. Okay. But normally, if I'm un- allowed to, which I was for most of my life, two a day. Yeah. Minimum. Growing up, were you allowed soft drinks in the house? Yeah. No. Wasn't denied anything. Something happened when I was in my 20s. I had my first can of Red Bull, yeah. 21, 22 years old. And it was just at a party. They were doing vodka Red Bulls. Yeah. And I went to that party and they're like, here, want a vodka Red Bull? I was like, what's a Red Bull? And they gave me a can and I sipped it. And it, something in my brain was like, oh, this That's- has been missing your whole life. So I was the same generation. I'm a little bit yeah. younger than you, but it was the same thing. It was like uh, vodka Red Bulls were the drink. I don't even like vodka Red Bulls. I just want the Red Bull. Well, I, Get I, the vodka shit out of my Red Bull. I, I didn't like vodka because the first time I ever got really, really drunk was on uh, like it was on Bacardi, but that's a, it's a clear, clear, clear alcohol. I was like, right. I, can't, I can't do it. And so I never did, but I had friends who would drink like eight vodka Red Bulls and then wonder why they can't sleep that yeah. night. So their hearts just fucking burst <laughs> yeah, out of their chest. Yeah. And so I never... Never get on the energy drink okay. stuff, which I think is is good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that you don't get in. Uh, I'm like, of course it's good. I don't know why. I have I coffee now. How many, co- only, how many coffees a day? Uh, two, two a day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but I only started having coffees like a year ago in my life. 
I never had coffee before that because I was like, I have Red Bull. Why go for the inferior bullshit when you've got Red Bull? You're fully Melbourne now. You've yeah. You've worked at the ABC. You never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So for it. me, it's a health. The health stuff is. I'm struggling with it still. Okay. What about mental health? How do you feel you are oh, there? I think I'm fine. Yeah. Like I'm not. I have a um, borderline Tom Cruise Scientology escalationship with psychology. Okay. <laughs> In that I've been, my, my my first ex-wife was a psychologist, which might be part of the reason why I have skepticism around it. But um, I've been to psychologists when yeah. I've had mental health troubles and stuff. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah, It's very important to go to a psychologist when you need one. Um, I think the way people use psychology though now is like a subscription service where, um, you know, we've got friends who... Any problem the psychologist could have solved should have happened five years ago. Yeah. Now they're still an asshole, but they just know why they're an asshole, but it hasn't stopped them being an asshole. Yeah. And at some point, the psychologist is not sitting them down and saying, hey, you're an asshole. Yeah. Stop being an asshole. They just go, no, it's because your dad didn't hug you. Shut the fuck. Like, so, and also like, I don't know. It's, um, I feel like. And I'm sure none of this is making people go, he sounds perfectly <laughs> sane. But I feel like, I've, you know, psychology is something that really helped me at one point yes. when I desperately needed it. Um, you know, it was lockdown again. I had just been through a bad situation in my life and, and the psychology got me through that. But then I was fine. And so I don't need to go see that psychologist again. Yeah. Now, if I'm again ill, I will go back. But because I'm not, I'm not going to just keep going back every week to be like, gotta think of something to talk about. Um, I think we're very similar. I both, I also went to a psychologist because I was going through a dark time, and and all I needed was someone to say, yeah, that's yeah, that's that happened to you, yes, and that's really bad, yeah, and just and go, oh, good, okay. The thing it's I found more helpful than a psychologist, and maybe this is because I'm lucky enough to have good friends, but was hang out with like Ivan, yep, have a drink. And just feel more relaxed and then talk about my feelings and emotions. And Ivan being able to go, that's valid, that's true, that's bullshit. Calling me out on things as well. And and me going, you know what, that helped me more yeah. than than a psychologist. And so, I don't know. I, I feel like mental health is largely fine. I have, you know, I have stresses, I have anxieties, I have concerns. But that's normal. And I feel like getting rid of them or treating them like a, their disease might not be my approach. It might work for other people. Yeah. Other people's mental health problems are more severe than mine. I'm lucky. I also think it's it's really, you need to be very lucky and get a psychologist or a therapist who is good as well. Yes. And someone who you click with, someone who doesn't just say the things that you want to hear. Yeah. And so, because I, I had two. One, the first one, I was like, I'm not clicking with this guy because I went there, explained my story. And he goes, oh, it's so weird in your, in your like career like sometimes you see him on TV and then poof, you never see him again. I'm like, yep, that's, that's what happens. Uh, Thanks for giving me yeah. more anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So, so I ghosted him and didn't go back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the house, what, what kind of snacks were in the house growing up? Um, Pakistani snacks, but not healthy. Not healthy yeah, snacks. No, no, What's no, a no, Pakistani snack? A lot of deep fried stuff, a lot of like, yeah. like crumbly, crunchy things. Everything spicy. Like cr- crazy spicy. We've got a thing called chili chips in Karachi, which is just like chips co- like coated in in red, you know, red chili powder, yeah, and then deep fried. And they are are twisties big in Pakistan? No, no, I don't think I had a twisty when I went to America. Yeah, yeah, we have a thing in Malaysia as well. Well, we have a similar thing. Um, it's called chili milli though. So it's a twisty, but it's spicy. Chili <laughs> like milli. everything is yep. spicy. Um, so there's a lot of that. Then there's you know fruit constantly. Yep. Um, the thing that happened to me when I came to Australia as well was 
the variety of snacks here kind of became a problem. Yeah. You know, like all the Doritos and all the flavors of every chip and every biscuit. And it's like, oh, Tim Tam's got one with caramel inside now. I guess so that's happening. So that's yeah. been tough. All right, so you got to get your cholesterol, but your health, mental health's fine. That's I mean, look, here's the thing: <laughs> at, at 45, yes, that's that's a weird. It's fine in that it's whatever it is. I'm fine with it. Yeah, right. I feel like I'm under control of it and everything. And then if tomorrow it breaks and I kill myself, then that was my choice. <laughs> well, know? we'll have the podcast anyway. So here <laughs> yeah. All right, we've got two left. We've got career and family. Which one do you do? Mm, um, let's do family. Family. Okay. How many in your family? Define family. Okay, you define your family then. Okay, my family is my myself, my partner, and my two daughters. Yes. Um, and then also my parents yep. and my siblings. How many siblings? So two siblings. I'm the eldest. The, uh, um, ah. Then there is a sister who's five years younger than me and a brother who's nine years younger than me. Okay. So big gaps yep. there. Um, both my parents are alive still, yep. not healthy. One, My mom's got diabetes and my dad's got a heart condition. Um, but that's pretty Pakistani. That's normal. You that's, know, yeah. it'd be weird if they didn't. Yep. And um, and then there's my partner here in, in Melbourne. Um, I say partner because we're not married legally. We're not doing the marriage thing. So that's why. But you have a child um, together. We so have a child together. You're, um, bound, you're bound together for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for as long yeah. as that child. Yeah. I told her, I was like, now you're screwed. Like I'm yeah. in your life forever, basically, <laughs> regardless of what happens. 10 years this last, but after that, you're not done with me. Um, and then uh, and then I've got an, uh, uh, my older daughter, from my first ex-wife. Cool. So are you close with your family, like your, your siblings and parents? Yeah. So my parents I'm very close with. Yeah. Um, and I think it's partly a migration thing, but also I always have, was very close. I'm very close to my mom and very close to my dad. Uh, we talk like on Messenger, we're chatting several times a day. Yeah. And then we video chat every Sunday. This morning was also um, that, the you know, the Sunday video chat with the family. Um and it's because they're not here. They're in Pakistan. So, you know, I value the moments I have with them. Are your siblings in Pakistan too? My sister's in Pakistan and my brother in lives in LA. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So they're not there. Um, but, you know, at least one, one sibling's there with them. Is that a comfort that your sister's there? A little bit, but also, um, you know, it's, uh, she's like, she's not there because she wants to be. She doesn't like, you know, it's because she she was in Canada. It was really hard there. Um, jobs were hard to get and everything. So she moved back to Pakistan. So yeah. it wasn't really a victory for her to be back in Pakistan. So I worry about her professionally in Pakistan and stuff. And Pakistan's not a great place to live these days. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so that's been a, a struggle. In your family, do you have a role that you play? Yes. Now, I'm the eldest. Yeah. So in my head, my role is the most important person in the family who keeps it all together. Yeah. My siblings might disagree, but they're also younger. So they're stupid. So who <laughs> gives a fuck what they think? Um but I yeah. mean, your youngest sibling is 36. So he's not yeah. he's an adult. Yeah, if you see the way he behaves and the things he says, that is a debatable statement. Well, it is not, not even on the cut. What what age do you reckon someone's an adult? Oh, so this is interesting because I I used to think like 21, 22, yeah. whatever. I think it's 35. I was going to say, yeah, 35. 35 is like, all right, that's when you... I think... That's when bad behaviour can't be excused on like, oh, I just don't know any better. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I think you like the outside person shouldn't excuse bad behavior at any age, but you can look back at any decision you made before 35 and, and you can justifiably say, I was stupid. Yeah. I wasn't 35 yet. I had no idea what I was saying, but I was doing it with confidence. Yeah. I, I think what happens after 35, particularly after 40, but definitely after 35, it begins is humbling. Yeah. Um, and it takes a while to catch up and for you to realize you've been humbled. I think 
it took me a long time and it's only my 40s now that I can look back and go, yeah, I was pretty stupid. Yeah. But uh, I think after 35 is when... My 35 also, I moved to Australia. It was a huge change in my life. Yeah. Massive change. Um, so my life is like pre-Australia and post. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about why you, you moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. And so you were... And this kind of be like coincide with career kind of stuff. Yeah. You were hosting a show in Pakistan. Uh, there's a bunch of reasons. So yeah, I, I used to do a news satire TV show in Pakistan. Um, I was a journalist and working as a senior news producer for a news channel. Uh, and then I was writing for newspapers and stuff. Um, we had a bunch of reasons why we moved to Australia. So my ex-wife, uh, you know, who I was married to at the time, she came to Monash University in 2006 and did her master's here. Yeah. Um, and she came back from Monash and one year in Melbourne and she came back to Pakistan and she was like, that was the best place I've ever lived. Amazing. Melbourne's amazing. We have to move there. Yeah. And my career was going great. And I was like, I'm not moving. I'm happy in Pakistan. What a great life I have. Why leave it? And then the death threats kind of kept picking up steam and all of that stuff. And, but I kept ignoring them because yeah. you don't take them seriously, you know? Um, and so when my daughter was born, everything changed. 2009, my daughter was born and I looked at her and I was like, I don't want her growing up here. Yeah. I don't want her growing up in an unsafe place. I don't want her growing up in a country where the things that happen to girls happen all the time. And I don't want her to grow up with a dead father because I'm obviously incapable of stopping saying and doing the things I say and do. Yeah. Um, and so then we applied for migration. Um, and then by the time we got the visa in 2012, things had gotten very dire. Yeah. Like a lot of threats, a lot of danger and all that. And so um, we got the visa just in time. Yeah. yeah. So family at that point. Yes. That burner was way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have moved to Australia if it hadn't been for my daughter yeah. being born. Um and I that's definitely the reason I, I, I came here. Um and then also like living four years in Northern wasn't an easy choice, but it I survived it because of my daughter. Like yeah. because I and I'm grateful for it. I got to be a stay at home dad, which now I'd look at as a real privilege and a luxury that I got to experience. So yeah. Um, yeah, for me, family is very important that way. Okay. So when's the last time all your family's been together? Oh, it's been 12 years. Yeah. 12, 13 years. In Pakistan? Yeah, in Pakistan, before we left. For you. Have you, have you been back? I've you been back a couple of times a while ago. Yeah. Now it's not safe for me to go back. It yeah. Maybe is by now. It's been a while since everything. I don't think anyone remembers. Yeah. Um, so I think it's okay for me to go back. My family doesn't think it's worth the risk. Does your, are your parents worried at all? And my mom is, my dad isn't. My dad's very like, and it's fine, yeah. get over it. And my mom is like, if there's 1% risk, there's 1% risk. Yeah. Um, but no no risk to them. No risk to yeah. them, no. Yeah. Not other than the daily risks of living in Pakistan, yeah. you know. Um, so no, I like, I, but I would love to go back, but yeah, I yeah. haven't. Yeah. So now you've got a new child. Yes. How, how is it going? Uh, take two? Yeah, it's, um, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, when was the last, how old were you when your second, because you have two. I have two. So I was uh, 29 when the first one was born. Mm-hmm. I was 32 when the second one was oh, born. Oh, so you haven't held a baby then. No, well, I've held friends. I mean, friends, not my own baby for almost 10 years. It's crazy. Yeah. It's bananas, man. I hadn't held a baby since like I was 30 when yep. Anya was born, my older daughter. And and after that, you know, I haven't, I've held other people's babies, but not my own. And it's great. Yeah. It's great. Like I, I, you do feel your age. Like my lower back is shot to shit now. Yeah. Um, uh, it is like p- bending down and picking them up and bouncing with them. And you're like, I am, my back's on fire. Yeah. Like it's actually hurting. Try physio cream. There you go, listeners. Physio cream. I've, I've been going to a physio. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, that stuff helps. But um, 
but it's so good. Yeah. You like, it's just, it's brightened my life up in so many ways and made me so happy. And I love being a dad. And also I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing because I've done this before. You forget everything and they're totally different each time and all and, that. And because it's your partner's first child, mm. is there a difference in terms of like, and I, I kind of think it always is between like the father and the mother. Yeah, of like, course. The, like the father is a little bit more laid back. Yeah. That's just how... It is, yeah, yeah. Not to generalize, but yeah, that's yeah. how we are. Is there is there a difference in that and that you've done it before? <laughs> I, I was I used to do a, a line in my stand-up where I was like, I get to live the ultimate male dream of child spaining man birth uh, child birth oh, sorry, of mansplaining childbirth to a woman. Yeah. Um, you know, I fucked up the punchline, but uh the it, look, it, it is interesting to see her before the baby was born, particularly, where she'd say things like, you know we're going to do this right. We're going to do that right. We're going to, and I remember yep. like we sing all those things before Anya was born. And now I have the wisdom. None of that's going to happen. It's so hard when you've, when you've had a kid and people are, and they're about to have a kid and some people, I don't know why they do this. They're yeah. like, Oh, get, get your sleep now or watch as many movies as you yeah. can. It's like, yeah. just don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll realize it's hard. Just say, it's going to be amazing. Yes. It's going to be so much. You'll, you'll, you'll experience love you've never experienced before. Yeah. But the first yeah. month is hell. Yeah. But that's every, guess what? Every parent in the history of the world yeah. has been through that hell and we're all here. And like, it also gets to a point where you're like, you think you figured this one bit out. Oh, and now no, I can, and, totally and then different. they change again. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. constantly changing. Yeah. And my kids are now older. They're nine and 12. Even that is like, oh, we've got, now I figured out how to do this. No, they yeah. change again. Yeah. They change I've got again. a 14 year old who now spends most of her time of the day rolling her eyes at me. Yeah. A year ago, I was the most beloved person in her life. Now I cannot say or do anything that is clever or funny at all, right? Well, I, I watched The Australian Story. Your daughter yeah. uh, is amazing on it. Thank you. Like she's she's yeah. very... She's awesome. Yeah. And she says how much she's enjoying being a big sister. And so yes. she found out having a daughter, she was like, oh, I can't wait. Is that comforting to you going, oh, we've got... A babysitter we don't have to pay for. Is yeah. That good? I mean, it's definitely useful. Um, yeah. She hasn't really fulfilled that role completely oh, not enough yet. yet yeah, but yeah. Yes. But you get, get two or three years old yeah. and then you're all right. It'll come in handy for sure. Um, I, for me, the big one of the big reasons why I didn't want to have a kid for a very long time, and I had to be talked into this as well initially, was I was worried that it would hurt my daughter's feelings, that she would feel like, why am I not enough and yeah. all of these things. And um and I was basically, I didn't want, because, you know, there'd been a divorce and, and a whole lot of stuff in life. And I didn't want my daughter, my daughter and I, Anya and I were a unit and I didn't want her to feel like she was now out in the cold. Yeah. Um, and then finally, when we did have a baby and, and we decided to have a baby and had her, um, the way it changed the family dynamic was beautiful, yeah. which I didn't anticipate. I was very worried. I was worried that she might get angry or upset or jealous or something. But I think the age gap is so big yeah. that the jealousy isn't there. Um, and she's as protective and as involved and as loving as well. And so that's worked out really well. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. All right. I think that's family done. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good family. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Last one, career. Yeah, that's a tough one. Tough one? Yeah, because... I think I'm really taking the pedal off. Okay. Hugely so. Yeah. Um, I always cared about career, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, but the one thing I never cared about career enough was sacrificing family for career. And I think in retrospect, that really hurt my career. Yeah. Um, I have had a lot of opportunities. There's a, look, 
no one should reference Louis C.K., but here we go. Where you know, R.I.P. Louis. Yes. At one point, he was saying, uh, "I always thought it was it, it, it was a really interesting point." Where he said, "You know, you see these guys; they've got amazing careers, and then they, in, there's a documentary about their life. And they interview the parent, the kids, and the kids are like, yeah, I never saw my dad.' Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to be that. And I always thought, I don't want to be that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, can I say, there's a reason Chet Hanks is the way Chet Hanks is. Because yeah. Tom Hanks was off filming everything all the time and wasn't at home. Yeah, making great movies, but yeah. not making a great kid. Yeah. Um, I, I always think about, my, so my dad, for example, um, was from a generation where you go to work and work is work. And there's no two questions about that. Yeah. And he was a family man, but his work was he was in the Merchant Navy, yeah. which means he left and got on the ship for nine to 10 months of the year. So I saw my dad every two, every 10 months for two months. Yeah. And then again, he'd be gone. That was all of my life. So for from a very young age, I was like, I will always be there for my kids. Never want to miss anything. I want to make sure my children see me at all times and I'm the active parent. And I've done that, I think. I, you know, I, I like to think I've done that and I've prioritized that. But it's come at the cost of the career. Yeah. So in 2015, for example, I was invited to the UK. I got to be uh, do a show for BBC Radio 4. I got to go on QI. I got to do a run of the Soho Theatre, which sold out. It was amazing. Next step, everyone said, go to Edinburgh. You got so much heat right now. You can get a lot of stuff. Uh, major, you know, Br- British TV shows were saying, come be a guest on this, be a guest on that, all that stuff. A lot of stuff was happening. And I said, I can't do it. Yeah. Because I can't leave my kid at home for months and disappear like that. And she's got school and some, yes, I can't. So I didn't. Um, I had at one point... Uh, I had management kind of sniffing around one of the big agencies and they said, hey, we put you on tour. You can go around the country and stuff like that. I think I can't, I can't go on tour. I can't. So I like, and it's just been that. I see my peers who are friends of ours, who are comedians, who are full-time comedians and they gig all year round. And that's the only way you can do it. And then I see my show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I see their shows and their shows are polished and refined and funny and and wise and and, and clever. And I'm working it out on stage at week three. Yeah. And I realized I can't keep doing this. I love comedy. I love stand-up comedy so much. I love doing stand-up comedy. But the decisions needed to make it in comedy are ones I'm not capable of doing. Yeah. So I've realized that I'm not like, I'm not doing a festival show next year. Um, I'm not doing, I think I'm doing a gig a week or a gig, actually a gig every month these days because of the baby, but you know, maybe I'll get back to doing one spot every week or so. I love doing spots. Yep. And that's, I think all I have to offer comedy now, but that was a very hard choice for me to make. Um, I've got a job now. I'm, you know, I'm working at university. Yep. Um, and I used to have jobs before, but I always saw the jobs as the thing that just pays the bills so I can do other things. Yep. Comedy, writing books. Now I'm like, I've got a job. It pays the bills. It's a job I love. Yeah. Why not give it a little bit of respect and, and, and take care of it so that it stays? Um, and then if, if I want to get back to the comedy and the writing books and all that later, I can. When you were doing ABC Breakfast, was that when you got that, was that, hey, great, this will sell more tickets for my comedy shows? So it was interesting. They didn't want me to do comedy yeah. at all. My management at the time, who I parted ways with afterwards, um, and the ABC management itself were like, stop doing gigs. Also because they were like, you know, you might say something at a gig, Herald Sun will write an article about it. And, and you know, so I used to have to run my material by them constantly before I did gigs and things. Um, I did, and, and I, I was all, and my manager at the time was like, why do you want to do comedy? Why do you want to do stand up? Like, look at this great job you have. Yeah. And I was like, because I love stand up. 
that's what I love. That's yeah. what got me this job in the first place. Like, yeah. Why would I betray the one thing that's gotten me this far? So I had that relationship with it. And they told me, and so I, I took two years off, like performing properly then. And also you're waking up at five in the morning, uh, waking up at 3.30 yeah. in the morning. You can't really do gigs in the evenings. Um, but I was miserable. Yep. I was miserable not being able to do comedy. Now it's interesting. The decision to take my foot off the pedal and not do as much comedy is frightening, but doesn't make me feel miserable. And that scares me a little bit because I'm like, yeah, what if I don't do it? Do you think having the two years of lockdown changed that? Because we didn't do as many gigs. And then also <sighs> after that, you then, when did you meet your partner? It was during Yeah, lockdowns. like 2021. Yeah. yeah. So then, well, 2022, sorry. 2022. Yeah. And then... Yeah just had a baby so you yeah. you know you, your life was full of other stuff yeah yeah during that and then when the world opened up again well you're still in this like honeymoon period with exactly and all this kind of stuff so yeah i think that's also it which is and it, look, it's a cliche but i do think it's true we make better comedy when we're miserable like yeah you know i'm not miserable but like but, something has to have happened yeah that you can then talk about the things that are happening to me right now, touch wood, you know, mashallah, all of these things is, you know, I've got a partner I love. I've got a, two kids I love deeply. I've got a job that pays my bills. Yeah. The struggle isn't there for me to do a show about. Well, yeah. And also the reality is I'm leaving this to go and do, try new material. Maybe there's 15 people in the room. Yeah. I'm not getting paid. Yeah. Like, I don't even mind. That. So like I did, a, a, if I do a spot at Spleen yeah. or at Catfish or whatever, I can try new material. It's worth my time then. Yeah. Um, Tom Gleason said that where he's like, if you if you're gonna leave the house, you leave your family and go and do a spot, you'd better be worth it then. Yeah. Not financially necessarily, but definitely you know, the time spent creatively. But I emceed the other day, right? I and I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't do new material here, right? I, the, yeah. You can't take a risk when you're emceeing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm not emceeing anymore. I'm just doing spots at open mics. I've made that same choice. I don't emcee anymore because like, yeah. I was only emceeing. Okay. And so you don't you don't get to try and because the pressure on for those, this is very inside baseball, but the thing is where you get to go on multiple times yeah. and maybe try new once the audience like you, but then you don't know if it's if it, a, an actual funny joke because you're like, well, they already know me and like yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and the, it's a really weird thing and you don't want to bomb so the, the next person comes on to to silence you yeah wanna, you've got to try and keep the energy and the and so it's a very weird thing so i've actually had to go and it's it's less money much less money yeah and yeah but it is that thing going, well it'll make me a better comedian yeah if i just do spots yeah so i think that's been like it, it's been a hard decision to come to and last melbourne comedy festival really kind of broke me a little bit yeah um you know i've been doing this we've, we've all been doing this so long and at some point you look at your ticket sales and you're like, I'm just going downwards. Yeah. Like it's not, the numbers aren't increasing, they're decreasing. I'm not happy with my show. Well, this Why is, am I doing this? This is the thing. So it's like, what's hard with our career is we do put like a certain, like we define ourselves by ticket sales. As right. Well. And it's, it's not healthy. No. Because I'm not sure if you're the same, but I feel that I'm th the best comedian I've ever been is right now. I've never like. Okay. I feel like I was that two years ago. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know what I am right now. But I've had, like, if I look at ticket sales, mm. the best comedian I was was in 2010. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2015, I yeah. was 150-seater in Melbourne, no problem. Yeah. Without even trying. Yeah. So, but then you, you go, well, that's, I can't define myself by yeah. what others, like, I, I don't know, it's, it's very hard for me to explain, but it is that thing of, like, 
as long as I'm happy to, with the work I'm doing, and mm. I'm going, well, this is the this is the set I want to do, and this is what makes me live. Yeah. If I left the house, I'd want to see this. I wouldn't want to see. See, I'm not doing that. Cakes. That's the problem I have. Yeah. I'm not doing that right now, and I don't know why. I don't know what's. I don't know what I want to do, but I know that the the comedy I'm doing right now feels to me derivative. Yeah. And uninspired, and I feel like the jokes I'm making. The material I'm doing and the things I'm talking about in them are being done by others better. Yeah. So I'm not, and this is the first time in my life I've felt that about my comedy. And I feel like if I feel that way, maybe instead of doing more comedy, I do less to see what I want to talk about first. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it'll work or not. All right. I'm a magic genie now and uh, mm-hmm. I can grant you any wish to do with your career, but only your career. You can't wish for someone else's career. What do you wish for? Oh, in my career. Your career. Uh, I wish that I could figure out how to be original. Okay. Yeah. I wish that I I had that because I don't have that right now. I think I had that once. Yep. Maybe it was illusion or not, but I would really like that. The ones that I see, that I respect, that I admire are original voices. And I feel like I don't have that. Okay. Yeah. Your wish is granted. There. Thank you. Go, go. <laughs> All right. So that is, we've done health, family, friends, mm. career. All right. This is the time. Now, the theory suggests that if you turn one off, the other three, you can do great in. If you turn two off, you'll excel in the other two. Right. You don't have to turn any off if you don't want to. And mm. it is for right now, today's date, this is what Sammy Shah is concentrating on. Right. This is what he's turning off. So which one are you turning off? I mean, it's yeah, made it clear. I think career is going off. Career. But also like career is not just like, I have a job as well. Yes. So I'm doing that well and I'm working yep. hard at that. And there's books I'm still want to write and stuff like that. But stand up, if you look at stand up as a thing that I've done since 2005 to today consistently, the only thing I've actually done consistently, yep. that's going off. Correct. So that one is definitely off. Um, <laughs> health should be on. Yep. <laughs> and I think... I am trying my hardest to keep health going, but it sputters yep. and the flame keeps going out and I keep starting it again and it goes out. And sometimes it, I, I, I get excited and I turn it up really high and it's a nice solid flame. Yep. And then other times I ign- ignore it and neglect it and it dies. So Family's burning bright though. Can I say family, that? yes. Family's burning bright. I'm grateful for my family. I yep. love my family. I'm, I'm, I genuinely, uh, it's a cliche, but I genuinely feel very blessed. Yep. I feel like, uh, you know, I, the only thing that would make it better is if my parents were here with me. Um, but, uh, and I say that now because they aren't here with me, but, you know, but if uh, with me in Melbourne, I mean, not with me in life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're healthy. They're, they're both alive. They're, you know, yeah. all my siblings are alive and healthy. Um, I have two daughters who I'm mad about and and my partner is loving and caring in, in ways that I did not know I could be loved and cared for. I'm I'm set there. Great, and also for a man 45, you got friends. That's good. Yeah, because that, that's that's the thing that goes. That is, it. I, it's that uh, Mark Maron had that line, which is you only need two. Yeah, you need the guy, and you need the other guy who you call when the guy gets tired. <laughs> and I've got those. I've got the two. I've got the guy and the other guy, and that's it. Uh, there's a woman on my, and a very nice woman who lives on my street. When my child was very very young, I was there was construction site on the street and he was just playing in the mud and I was just watching him play in the mud and she's like, you're a very good dad. I'm like, I'm doing the bare minimum. Yeah. yeah. And she goes, oh, you want them to be, you want, this is what you want from your kids. You want them to be happy in a job that they're happy doing. Mm. You want them to call their mum mm-hmm. and you want them to have three friends and that's, that's it. it. And that, that is, you've yeah. done a good job. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll try, I'll try that. So. You know what I like uh, is I've got 
I've got two very close friends. Yep. So like Ivan and Dilruk, very close to them, you know, all of that. And then I've got a lot of, I've got a, a lot of like friends, people who I meet regularly and stuff who I'm also like, like you know, Mike Goldstein and, and all these, and, and um, James Masters and stuff who I hang out with. Yep. Once a month we hang out or whatever. Whenever we do, we're close. We know what's happening in each other's lives. But the thing I love the most is I've got a lot of acquaintances. Yeah. Now, in acquaintances, normally you're just like, that's a high hello person. But in comedy, the relationship is different. We don't do small talk. No. Comedians don't abide small talk. Every Like, if I meet Anne Edmonds tomorrow, we don't go... Ah, how are you doing? Whatever. It's like, this is what's happening in my life and this yep. is what's ruining it. And this, and it's it's right away into the deepest, darkest portions. Yeah, all the small talk is as impassioned as yeah. the deep talk. Yeah. yeah. So I have acquaintances, a lot of them because of comedy, but that means that they are deep, meaningful relationships. And I think, and like to bring it back to Cal for a second, Cal was one of those acquaintances. Yeah. We gigged together a thousand times. Um, we've, we've had beautiful, heartfelt conversations, deep, long conversations, and then just seen each other at a gig and talk for two seconds. Yeah. We, done pod, we did a whole podcast series together and also then didn't see each other for a year and a half. But, you know, when Cal died, it affected me and shook me as much as if one of my close friends died, because mm. that's kind of how we all are. Yeah. If you look at the orbit of our comedy world, there's people who, on paper, you go, I haven't seen that person in two years, but if they die, I will be wrecked. Yeah. And there's a a lot of them. Yeah. And that's interesting to me. Well, that's something I find beautiful. Well, when Cal died, so because I, you know, I put. A couple of posts out, and then you get people calling in saying, "Hey, can you come and talk on the radio about this?" I'm yeah, like, no, I, I would not like to do. Yeah, that. same here. Uh, but it was I was talking to friends, going, "I, you know, Cal and I were friends, we weren't super close, but she would like at the kind of send me her son's hand me downs because she knew my kids also like basketball yeah. and Ninjago, and so she goes, "Oh, have these." Like, n- not many comedians are doing yeah. that. Okay, yeah, we went on like road show together, or we did a couple of cruises together. And we were laughing at one point. We've been on more places together than we had with our own families at some point. It was like you do a six-week tour with someone, you go to Singapore, you go cruise ships, and you're yeah. like, you get to know that person pretty well. Yeah. And she was, if not the best, one yeah. of the best out there. It was, it was a beautiful thing because at that memorial, I was thinking this is what anyone should aspire towards. Yeah. A life where you're so beloved and appreciated because you loved and appreciated others so much. And it really made me rethink my own relationship with cynicism, with sarcasm, with bitterness and resentment and all these things and going, are any of those worth it? Yeah. Because that's a person who clearly lived without most of them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she had her days, whatever, of course. But, and look what that gets you. That gets you a moment where, you know, when you're no longer there, the people around you go, I truly miss that person. Yeah. And that's a good thing to get. Uh, For me, that's why... Oh, but it's also hard because Cal had a career and did a great job in the career, which also got her that stuff. Yeah. And I'm putting my foot off that career thing, but I don't know how long I'm taking my foot off. Let's see. It's always there. Hey, thank you, Sammy, for doing this. Thanks for having me. Anything to promote? Uh, News Weekly, my podcast. Yes. It's a W-E-A-K-L-Y is the way it's spelled. It's for the stupid, it's a podcast, like it's an audio medium and I came up with a literary pun. Anyway, um, I'm not smart, but it's a 15 minute weekly news satire podcast, which is the roundup of all the headlines. If you don't want to pay attention to the news, you're sick of, 
you know, the headline news. Just get that once a week, every Friday, and it'll sort out your life. Um, and then uh, we're doing a live show on January 19th at the Comedy Republic at 7 p.m. Uh, tickets available for that soon. So come to that if you can. Excellent. And listeners, if you would like to help support this program, go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Uh, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week of 100% Hits, Volume Pod, or Don't You Know Who I Am, uh, which I'm doing live shows. Uh, if you're in Melbourne, come to the last one, November 26th, so this Sunday at The Catfish. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.